I feel like when you wake up and you learn that your young child is missing, the first thing that you would do would be call the police, not sit down, have a cup of coffee and smoke a cigarette. The behavior was just very odd. Hey everyone, welcome back to What Happened, where every single week we discuss solved and unsolved cases. This week, we will be talking about what happened to Paulette Hebara Fara. This one is so confusing. I don't understand why or how this happened, and to this day, Paulette's case remains unsolved. There is so much to go over, so let's jump right into it and talk about what happened to Paulette Hebara. Paulette was born on July 20th, 2005 in Mexico City. Her parents were Mauricio Hebarra and Lisette Farra, who got married four years before Paulette was born. Both of the parents came from very wealthy families and Lisette was also a successful lawyer and Mauricio was a successful businessman who worked in real estate. Paulette also had an older sister named Lisette, named after their mom, who was three years older than Paulette. Now, Paulette was born prematurely. She was born 25 weeks into her mom's pregnancy and just for reference, a pregnancy is typically 40 weeks long. Paulette only weighed one pound and seven ounces. Paulette's parents were told that she would never be able to walk or talk or, you know, just function normally. And as she grew up, Paulette did have some developmental delays as well as physical disabilities, but she was doing better than she was expected to by doctors. Paulette was in many different therapies and with the help of horse therapy, she was actually able to learn to walk a few steps with help, which is more than what she was even supposed to be able to do. Paulette also learned to say a few words so she was able to communicate. She was four years old and she actually went to kindergarten at a regular school but she did have an in-class teaching assistant helping her. The family lived in a large sky-rise apartment in an expensive building and they actually had two live-in nannies who were sisters named Erica and Martha who worked with them for seven years so since their daughter Lisette was born. Despite Paulette's disabilities, Lisette said that Paulette was a little angel who never had any tantrum or caused any type of family problems. She was a sweet and happy little four-year-old girl. So let's talk about Paulette's disappearance. On March 21st, 2009, at around 9 p.m., Paulette, her sister, and Mauricio got home from a weekend trip they were on in Valda Bravo. Around the same time, Lisette also returned home. She had been gone for the weekend too, but she went to Los Cabos with her friend Amanda. Lisette put Paulette to bed that night. She tucked her in, gave her a kiss, and said, see you in the morning. Then she also tucked in her other daughter, Lisette. That night seemed just like any other. The family's dogs, didn't bark, there were no loud bangs. I mean, nothing out of the normal seemed to happen that night. The next morning, Erica and Martha wake up the daughter, Lisette, and they start getting her ready for school. Lisette's school started earlier than Paulette since Lisette was seven and in grade school, so Paulette always got to sleep in a little bit later than her sister. Erica and Martha walk Lisette to the bus stop, and then after they got back home, Erica went into Paulette's bedroom to wake her up. However, Paulette was not in bed. Erica and Martha searched everywhere in the the apartment, but they couldn't find her. Erica wondered if maybe Paulette had gotten out of bed and just wandered off around the house by herself. So she went downstairs to the kitchen area and she called out for Paulette but received no response. She went over to Mauricio and Lisette's bedroom to see if maybe Paulette was in there or no Mauricio was in there, but they weren't. So she decides to go back to the kitchen area and that's when she hears a noise coming from the living room. She goes towards the living room and that's when she comes across Mauricio. Erica asks him, 
where is Paulette? And he says, I don't know where she is. Maybe she's sleeping in bed with her mom. So Erica goes back to all the bedrooms to look for Paulette, but again, she doesn't find her. She eventually goes to wake up Lisette and tells her, your daughter is missing. Lisette told her, well, maybe she's out playing in the game area. You know, maybe she's just by herself playing. Erica and Martha started searching everywhere in the building and they were asking neighbors if they had seen anything, but no one had. The nannies went all over the building looking for Paulette and when they came back to the apartment, they say that they saw Lisette sitting at the kitchen table, drinking a cup of coffee and smoking a cigarette while Mauricio was just kind of wandering around the house. He was opening different closets, you know, seeing if maybe Paulette was in there, but you know, it didn't seem like they were taking Paulette's disappearance that seriously. Neither one of them were really doing that much to find Paulette. They also weren't freaking out like most parents would be doing in this situation. They didn't even bother to call the police in that moment. Now, after a while, Mauricio did call his sister and he told her what was going on, you know, that Paulette was missing. And this is when the sister decided to call the police and report Paulette as missing. Now, I think this is just very odd. I feel like when you wake up and you learn that your young child is missing, the first thing that you would do would be call the police, not sit down, have a cup of coffee and smoke a cigarette. The behavior was just very odd. So let's get into the investigation. Police come to the home and they start doing a search for any signs of forced entry, like any broken windows, any signs of any locks having been broken or tampered with, you know, anything to show that someone came into the house and took Paulette. They also checked if anything was stolen or missing, but other than Paulette, everything seemed to be in place and there were no signs that someone had broken into the house. But that was also pretty much the extent of the search in the home. There was no DNA collection that I'm aware of and no dust for fingerprints or anything like that. They did check the building surveillance cameras, but there was no sign of Paulette leaving after she returned home the night before. Over the next few days, dozens of police officers and forensic experts came in and out of the home. Meanwhile, this case instantly becomes a major news story. You know, a wealthy family in Mexico City has an adorable daughter that goes missing. This is definitely something that the media is going to talk about. Lisette and Mauricio did go on the news and Lisette was asked asking for whoever had her daughter to just drop her off in a public place and she swore that there wouldn't be any type of consequences and that no one would try to capture the kidnapper. By the end of the week, photos of Paulette are posted on billboards and buses all around Mexico. Now, an entire week would go by since Paulette was last seen and the week after Paulette's disappearance, media crews came to the family's home and they did interviews with Lisette while she sat on Paulette's bed showing them her artwork. Now, Lisette never cried in any of these interviews and she also didn't seem to be that emotional so people think that she kind of seemed more nervous than upset. Now of course everyone can react differently in these type of situations and just because Lisette wasn't bawling her eyes out doesn't mean that anything was off. On March 29th the Attorney General Alberto Basbas went on the news to announce that there were four suspects in this case. Mauricio, Lisette, Erica, and Martha. Since there was no evidence of a break-in and Paulette wasn't able to physically leave by herself, police believe that this was an inside job. Alberto said each of them at a certain moment falsified their statement, which has made it difficult to know the facts and clarify a firm line of investigation. On March 30th, Mauricio Lisette and the nannies were taken to the police station for several hours before they were moved to a hotel where they were placed on a strict restriction order. So this was almost like being held in police custody because they weren't allowed to leave the hotel. 
people. On that same day, experts and police took over the Habara apartment to create a reconstruction of what could have happened in the home. On March 31st at 2 a.m., nine days after Paulette had been missing, forensic experts were in her room and there's actually footage of all of this happening. They were in the room taking measurements of the room and describing everything for the cameras. During this time, one expert pulled back Paulette's blanket from her bed and there were two large blood stains at the end of her bed. The size of one was about as big as an adult's head. Then two of the experts took off all the sheets which then revealed Paulette's dead body. She was found between her mattress and the end of her bed that had these tall wooden poles. Her bed was custom built for her but it definitely wasn't made for a disabled child. The blanket Paulette was wrapped in looked like it was covered in blood. One of the experts shouted out, they beat her. Because at first glance, he thought that that must have been the way that Paulette died because of the state of the blanket. But later, it was discovered to be decomposition fluid and not blood. The reason Paulette's bed wasn't suitable for a disabled child was because every single night, the nannies had to put two large body pillows on either side of Paulette so that she didn't fall out of the bed. So police believed that Paulette must have somehow gotten down to the end of her bed and had gotten stuck between the mattress and her bed. But let's talk about the video for a second. So this video was given to the media by police, but experts have analyzed it and they don't think it's legit. It definitely was Paulette's bedroom that they were filming in, but most experts think that it was a reenactment and not the actual discovery. One of the reasons is because a forensic experts mentioned that she might have been beaten to death before they even found her body and that the placement of the camera and the spots that the experts were standing on was a little too convenient for it to be a natural discovery. It also seemed like everything was set up so that it was the perfect view for finding the body. Also, in the video, no one there seems to be surprised by the discovery of Paulette. They all just keep narrating in the same tone that they were doing before. You would think that if in that moment you discovered a young girl's body in her bed, you would probably react differently and maybe freak out a little bit or, you know, just change your tone, but everyone just kind of remained neutral. Now, the time the video was taken is also very odd because people in that job field usually work in the day, not at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, going back to Paulette, it was determined that her cause of death was asphyxiation and that had happened because her body was wrapped under her blankets. On the official report, it was put down as mechanical asphyxia due to the obstruction of the nasal cavities and thorax abdominal compression. It also came out that Paulette slept with an orthopedic cloth over her mouth every single night so that she wouldn't breathe through her mouth when she slept. Okay, that seems really crazy to me because why would a disabled child need to sleep with something like that. The autopsy said that Paulette's last meal was determined to be five hours before her death and that it was unlikely her body had been moved after she died. It was also determined that she had died about five to nine days before her body was found. But one medical examiner actually didn't agree with this and refused to sign the certificate saying that. He believed that Paulette only died three days before she was found. There were also urine stains on the mattress right by where she was found. Paulette had no signs of physical or sexual abuse and she had no drugs in her system. But what's really weird about this case is how did no one realize Paulette was there for nine days? Some people believe that maybe the blankets could have stopped the smell from getting out in the room, but I don't know if the people saying this are even experts. Like, I genuinely wonder what experts think about this. How did no one smell the body and how did no one smell the urine? Lisette had done interviews on the bed and even worse, people had literally slept in the bed. Lisette's friend, Amanda, slept in the bed for several days 
days immediately after Paulette's disappearance. Now, this is just a little bit odd to me because I don't get why people were sleeping in a missing child's bed, especially for like forensic purposes and just things like that. It doesn't make sense to me. Also, how did police not take all the bedding in as evidence when they first searched the house? You would think that they would have collected everything inside Paulette's bedroom just to see if it maybe had any type of evidence. And just the fact that Paulette's mother, Lisette, was sitting on her bed doing an interview is so odd to me because her daughter's body was right there, yet she never noticed. Amanda also said that in the time that she slept in the bed, she didn't notice anything and said that the bed was remade every single day. Now, the nannies also insist that if Paulette was there the entire time, they would have found her while making the bed and that they also looked all around the bed several times when Paulette first went missing. Both of the nannies have said that they don't believe Paulette had been in the bed for nine days. On top of that, they also said that they literally changed the sheets. So if the nannies were changing the sheets during this time, how could they have not found Paulette? Now, police had the nannies do a reconstruction of how they made up the beds every single day and police actually believe that because of the place Paulette was trapped in, it's possible that the nannies wouldn't have found her while fixing up the bed. So because there were around 100 people all over Paulette's room for those nine days, if her room was actually a crime scene, it was completely contaminated. Tracker dogs had also been brought into Paulette's room and they didn't pick up on anything. There is speculation that that might be because they weren't cadaver dogs, so it would be a different smell. After this, the attorney general, Alberto, gets back on the news to publicly announce Paulette's death, but he adds that Lisette is still a suspect and that she's the only one. At this time, Paulette's death had been ruled an accident, but Alberto tells the public that he has no doubt that this is a homicide investigation. He also said that police are investigating the level of knowledge of others involved. So the public is just so confused because the images from the video are out, which look like there was blood there, but the attorney's claiming that it's an accident, but it's also possibly a murder investigation. So there was just a lot of controversy at this time of what actually was going on. On April 3rd, Lisette formally challenged the restriction order that she was still under at the hotel. She claimed that she was innocent and that she had nothing to do with Paulette's death. And the next day, her, Mauricio, and the nannies were all actually allowed to leave the hotel, but they were told that they were not allowed to leave the country until the investigation was done. The public really believed that Lisette did have something to do with Paulette's death because she had made some really weird comments on TV. Like maybe Paulette was taken by aliens or by Harry Potter. Yes, Harry Potter as in the made-up character from a book. I have no idea how she came to that conclusion. But she also said, even if I lose Paulette, I still have another daughter. And I get that she could say that, you know, as if she means that she's strong enough for her other daughter, but that's not the way that people took it. I feel like that's a very odd statement to make. The public also noted that in one of the interviews Lisette did in Paulette's room, she showed a pair of Paulette's pajamas and Paulette was found wearing those exact pajamas. Now, Lisette said that the pajamas she showed on camera were actually Paulette's sister's pajamas and that they had matching sets. I was watching an interview with Erica, one of the nannies, and the interviewers asked her, were the pajamas Lisette was showing in an interview the same pajamas that you dressed Paulette in the night that she disappeared? And Erica said that they were similar because Lisette did buy the girls the same pajamas. So the nanny did confirm that the pajamas Lisette was carrying were not the same pajamas Paulette was found in. But again, who knows? Their home had been bugged with recording devices at some point, and a recording also came out that was part of a conversation between Lisette and her daughter Lisette, where the mom Lisette tells little Lisette that she can't talk to the media about Paulette, otherwise they'll blame us for stealing her or that you 
took her away to be stolen. Lisette first said this conversation was edited together and that didn't actually happen, but she later said that the conversation did happen, but it was just taken out of context. Attorney General Alberto Basbas had Lisette evaluated by a psychiatrist and it was determined that Lisette had some type of personality disorder, but I'm not sure what specifically she had. The psychiatrist said Lisette was very intelligent, capable, and astute. There were also accusations that Lisette wasn't really in Cabo with her friend Amanda and that she was with a man that she was having an affair with, but both Lisette and the man have denied this. The nannies also said that the Hibata family was actually having some financial troubles. Having a child with disabilities can be expensive and the nanny said they weren't keeping up with their house payments, but this was later revealed to be not true. On April 5th, Lisette and Mauricio separately made statements to the press blaming the other one for Paulette's death. I don't know if one was just a retaliation or what, but both being on the same day is just kind of weird and the fact that they're blaming each other is also odd. After this, it was clear that Lisette and Mauricio's marriage was over and it did come out that they were having marital problems even before Paulette's disappearance. Paulette's funeral was on April 6th. Lisette made all of the arrangements and no one from Mauricio's side of the family was allowed to come. Apparently, Lisette and Mauricio had agreed on this. Since Lisette and Mauricio were at the hotel on the restriction order, Mauricio's family was watching over their other daughter, Lisette. When Lisette went to go and get her daughter, her in-laws actually refused to let her. But Lisette took legal action and on May 10th, she got custody back. On May 26th, Attorney General Alberto Basbas resigned from his job, most likely due to the amount of outrage the public had over this case. Alberto still said that he believes Lisette is suspicious and said an attorney general needs confidence to do the job, and he lost his because of the questioning of his actions around Paulette's case. And after that, things just kind of went cold. No one was ever arrested for Paulette's death or even charged with any type of manslaughter. On May 3rd, 2017, Paulette's body was exhumed and cremated. She originally wasn't allowed to be cremated because of the case, but investigators officially decided that Paulette's remains were no longer evidence since nothing further ever happened with the case. Which is just crazy to me, the fact that if to this day in 2023, police did want to check her body to see if maybe something else did happen, they're not able to because she was cremated. Also, what was the point of just unburying her and cremating her after all these years? Now, there there are a lot of theories in this case and normally I kind of try to stay away from theories but this case just has so many that if you go do your own research about this you're bound to come across them so I'm just going to mention some of the theories people have about this case. Now there's a few theories about Mauricio and Alberto Basbas. Apparently the two were very close friends so some people think that Basbas helped Mauricio publicly destroy Lisette's life as some type of punishment while others believe that their friendship allowed for a cover-up of what actually happened happened to Paulette. There's also some theories about Lisette killing Paulette for several different reasons. The first is that Paulette's disabilities were just too much for her to handle and she couldn't take it anymore. Others believe it was because of the affair that she was allegedly having. There are also theories that the parents killed Paulette to get money for a fake kidnapping and that's why they did so many TV interviews. There are also theories that maybe the nannies did it since they were alone at the house that morning and they were the ones who did the betting. It could have also been a kidnap ransom situation that went wrong. I mean, that has happened before in other cases. There are just so many theories and rumors about what could have happened to Paulette. And again, these are just rumors, like none of this has been proven, but a lot of people honestly wonder that maybe all 
four of the people involved in the situation could have done something to Paulette. Could have been Lisette, could have been Mauricio, it could have been the nannies. There's just so many unanswered questions and I just wish that, you know, in this day and age in 2023, we had those answers. A lot of people also wonder about the forensic experts, the ones that discovered Paulette's body. You know, people do question the video and they feel like it is a little bit staged, so maybe they did help the family and they placed her body there and had the cameras rolling at that exact moment just to capture this. Again, there's just so many questions and just weird things about this case and it's just really unfortunate that Paulette doesn't have justice and we don't really know what actually happened to this little girl. I wish there was more that I could share with you guys. I wish that there was a different ending and that there was some type of justice for Paulette, but to this day, like I said, Paulette's death has been ruled an accident and no one has ever been arrested for her death. If there are ever any movements in this case, I will let you guys know and I will keep you guys posted, but that's pretty much all I have for today's video. Thank you so much everyone for listening and for watching. Make sure you're subscribed to Pass Your Bedtime so you don't miss an episode and you can listen to this show wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Instagram at the Jackie Flores and on TikTok at True Crime Jackie. Thank you guys again so much for being here and I will see you all in my next video. Bye guys.